Coffee Conversations with Cinti is brought to you by Influential, the new strategic consultancy that takes the guesswork out of influencer marketing for your brand. We provide much-needed strategic crafted frameworks on how to implement campaigns specific to your brand needs. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this month's installment of Influential Wednesdays. And as usual, I've got uh, Anne Dolly. How are you, Anne? Hey, Sinti, thank you for having me again. Uh, thank you. Please tell them what we do every last Wednesday of the month. Every last Wednesday of the month, Sinti uh, sits with me and we have a nice cup of tea and coffee. And we chat about what's going on in influencer marketing and kind of try to explore relevant topics for everyone. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, everybody else at home or wherever you're getting us from, please don't uh, forget to hit the subscribe button, uh, follow get the conversation going, like our new Facebook page, and let's make this influencer marketing thing boom, eh? And subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. There you go. So today we want to talk about influencer fraud. Big, big topic at the moment. Yes. What is influencer fraud? So influencer fraud can be a couple of things. Um, it can either be influencers who are pretending to be someone else online. So maybe you don't have this very exciting life but you seem like it is so you create a persona online so you mm -hmm. different people on and offline so that again speaks into that authenticity that we're always looking for from influencers but they generally don't last too long so that's okay and then the other side of it is um which is rife at the moment all over the world is influencers buying followers engagement likes all of that type of thing and, and how prevalent is this problem? Let's look at it from a, a global perspective and then narrow it down to our South African scenario. It's quite big globally as well. I think um, the states in Europe, because they're quite a bit advanced um, when it comes to influence marketing, they um, are better at weeding it out than what we are right now. Because we are such a small industry still and we're quite relatively new in um, influence marketing, we see it um, rising up in South Africa massively at the moment. All right. And in, in recent weeks, we've all heard the story of an influencer with two million uh, followers, oh, but who couldn't goodness. even sell 36 T-shirts. Good old Ari. <laughs> I think that was a name. I might be wrong. Yeah, yeah, it must have been. And, and the, <laughs> the funny bit is this is not a, a rare occurrence. Uh, is that the only net effect of influencer fraud or these? Look, I, I don't think she participates in influencer fraud. I'm not, I don't think she does. Um, I think her problem was just that she didn't really create a brand for herself. People, and it kind of showed that people kind of follow her probably for, for her content that was really beautiful, but she never really got a sense of who she was, what she's into. So it wasn't like she was into traveling or a fashion or something. She didn't have a persona or a niche. Okay, so she was everything to everybody. Everything to everybody. And I think that for us proved the point what we're always telling clients is like, don't equate influence with number of followers. Um, because some people uh, attract followers for different reasons. Yeah. Um, her thing was when you go and look at her Instagram profile right now, even as like, who is she? What's she about? Pretty girl, take beautiful pictures, but um, that's not a brand that can sell anything. Um, and then also the T-shirts she tried to sell, there was a huge disconnect between that and what she usually wears in a, her in, uh, Instagram photos. So you have that authenticity that was lacking. So people would, I think, were also thinking, why are you selling one thing, but we know that you love something else? So she failed quite big in that. Yeah. And, and why does it seem like brands are not doing enough or not doing any uh, due diligence at all? 
and I'm sure this should be tied up in strategy. You are a strategy person. Yes. So why does it seem like there is no plan at all? So I think um, a big part of being a strategist is we always kind of say, look, use reputable influences, go through um, agencies or people who um, specialize in influencer marketing and actually having influencer databases or sourcing these people because we know that they have checks in place to see if someone is a fraud, if someone is lying or if the engagement is low. So again, it depends on objectives, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it's not that people don't do their due diligence. I think there's a big education that needs to be done. Not everyone knows that influencer fraud is so big. Um, and they just kind of take people at, at face value. So they think, oh, look, they're doing really well. They're everywhere. Um, people know who they are. We should work with this person. And instead of maybe just digging a little bit deeper. Yeah, and, and I guess a huge objective of our Influential Wednesdays is to educate the market from, from both sides, from an influencer perspective and brand perspective, isn't 100%. it? 100%. We want everyone to understand each other, brands yeah. to understand influencers. We want influencers to un understand how brands work and everyone kind of meet halfway. Uh, how can brands protect themselves from becoming victims of influencer fraud? I think it's literally, it's quite easy. I think if you want to use someone for an influencer campaign and you're having a bit of doubt, first thing to do is open up those profiles and dig into who their followers are. I'm always very skeptical, especially if you're South African, because we obviously deal with mostly South African influencers. Um, if you go into someone's followers and it's mostly people from kind of foreign countries um, and most prevalent kind of Eastern Bloc or um, China and those places. And I always just kind of ask the question, why would those cultures or those people be so interested in what um, someone is doing in South Africa. They, uh, look, if it's travel bloggers and people like that, it's sometimes very plausible because they attract audiences from all over. But if you're a South African influencer focusing on things like beauty and fashion and uh, kind of very niche things, you would expect that most of your audience would be South African. Yeah. And then if you even dig even further and see that some of these accounts have zero followers themselves or they, a lot of them are private, then I also start alarm bells start going off. And even if someone's getting a lot of likes, look into who's liking them. Same thing. If it's a lot of kind of foreign likes that's from the Eastern Bloc or Asia, then dig a little bit deeper and just see. Those are all kind of um, alarm bells. And then there's a tool that's for free online if you literally um, just Google kind of Instagram audit, especially for Instagram, okay, um, you can put someone's handle in there and it will give you a stat of the ratio of real and fake followers. Um, every Look, don't be alarmed if you're like 80% real and 20% fake. You'll always have a percentage of bots that's following. So that's still a bit, that's still healthy. Um, but I think if you start seeing the numbers drop to 50, 60, start just digging a little bit deeper. And then the big problem that I find at the moment is that as these tools have evolved that people can check, the fraudsters have also evolved on their side where they tick. Oh, okay. Yes. So if you literally, it's one Google search. You, I did this little experiment, just how to buy Instagram followers in South Africa. Um, you get quite a few um, websites coming up. 
and it's uh, it's super cheap. I think for like two hundred rand, I could buy like a thousand followers, and they promise real followers, which is an issue because those um, tools to audit doesn't necessarily pick that up as fake followers because they're not fake. So that's also influencer fraud, but it's a lot more difficult to yes, actually it's gone on to, to a whole other level. Correct. Yeah. And and in most of these cases, if if not all of them, brands seem to get caught up in influencer fraud because they are after the like and it seems like they are always just after awareness. Can you help them effectively employ influence? What other brand variables should they be looking out for? Of course, and I think the the biggest one that all brands should um, be obsessed with, I know that you're saying most brands are obsessed with likes, and they are, and also they they just look at following accounts. And like I said earlier, followers don't equal uh, necessarily influence. Um, they should be obsessed with engagement numbers for me. It's the biggest thing. Because okay. if people are engaging with influencer content, that means they like the content, number one. They are opted in because they really want to be there and they're interested in the niche that this person is speaking about. And they will generally, if they comment, um, kind of be uh, engaged with that content and asking more questions about what's in it, yeah. which is what we're looking for, right? Yeah. And, and, and also this whole scenario then brings to the fore the whole aspect of, of brand feed. Why should businesses make it their business to research the influencers that they work with? I think um, it all boils down to reputation. I think brands should be very careful in, in this day and age with who they associate with because yeah. it takes... We're all on social media these days. Back in the day, it took a week or a day for people to see the news. Now it's literally instant. <laughs> and if you are associating with influencers that maybe are not on brand or share the same values as you as a brand, they might just say the wrong thing online and be caught up in a scandal. And then your brand's associated with that. Yeah. So rep- that's your first barrier to reputation management. And it's so easy. Make sure that you align your values with those influencers. Okay, and in an environment filled by trust, which obviously is built over time, why should brands foster strong and uh, longer-term relationships? Because most of those influencer relationships always seem like a, a wham-bam, we are done. Thank uh, you, man. Move, yeah, let's move on <laughs> to the next one. Why should they foster longer-term and long-spanning relationships? I think um, it all feeds into credibility and authenticity. If you start a journey with an influencer and you kind of, they grow with you as you grow and they're obviously a good brand fit. Um, I think it's got so many um, advantages, not only for the brand, but for the influencer as well, to have that affinity. And it bre- and like I say, authenticity, if you're already aligned with the values and this person is using your product all the time, they're talking about it. People are so used to that content and they already know, ah, they think of Anne, they think of that one brand. Yeah. So it's that affinity, it's the credibility, it's the authenticity it feeds into. Yeah, Earlier on, you, you, you spoke about influencer fraud taking on a whole going on to a whole nother level. So scary. So do you think that as influencer marketing continues to grow and explode, are we going to see a lot of these fake followers and the growth of fraud as well? 
Uh, I think it's always, I think in yeah. any industry, the bigger it gets, the more people want a piece of the pie, right? And yeah. they'll try and get there with shortcuts. So um, we'll definitely see it probably advance a little bit more. But I think as we educate and as we become more aware of that, I think it will become more difficult and those weeds will be kind of weeded out much more sooner yeah. and they won't be there. And, and what should influencers concentrate on instead of uh, getting the biggest following in the market yes. and then trying to plug that to brands? What should they concentrate on to build so that they themselves turn and build themselves into brands? Of course. Yeah. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, with the industry exploding, people are just wanting to get quick, quick those big yeah. numbers so that they can go to brands and say, I've got 10,000 followers or 50,000 followers. Use me on your campaign. Yeah. You know, you'll get so many eyeballs. Um, I think from an influencer point of view, know that it's a long game. It's not the short game. Um, like with anything in life, you get out what you put in. So it's not a fly by night. And if you're serious about it, just like any career, any job or any side hustle, put the graft in and over the years it will start paying off. It would be it will be a slow and steady growth. For some it will be faster. But um, just concentrate on putting out good content, have a niche that you are passionate about so people can identify with that. Um, and just uh, be consistent. I think consistency is the biggest key. If you are very serious, don't post once a month um, or now three, four times this week and then once next week. Be consistent so people know that there is good content coming out all the time. Your messaging is always consistent and that you always kind of betray who you are because people really resonate with that. And, and finally, what active role can brands, influencer agencies and social media property owners play in maintaining the the space integrity because integrity and trust are, are, are the key. currency for it's currency for, for everything yeah, right? exactly. um, if there's no trust there's nothing yeah and i think it also very much translates into influence marketing like you say yeah um i think it's just being vigilant and and be, stay on top of um trends and kind of know what's going on out there so be aware that there is influence of fraud make sure your teams know about it and if you think something looks a bit dodgy start investigating um as far as platforms are concerned i think um every now and then instagram does the whole thing where they do a bit of a purge i don't know uh, i don't know if they've done one recently but then there's all these like inf they're getting rid of all the bots and fake followers and, and kind of um what do you call them stagnant ones as well people okay. who kind of don't ever do anything then all of a sudden overnight you see these fraudulent guys literally they're following half overnight mm -hmm. um, and I think that all the platforms should do that a little bit more regularly just so that also because then if you're an influencer you're not going to be that tempted to to kind of commit fraud because you know every two months your following is going to go down again and yeah. it's a lot of money that you're punting into of buying course, yeah. followers and things yeah. so i think it's just um culling those people um and just being aware from a brand's point of view and also agencies but agencies i think already vet the influencers quite well they have the tools they have the technology to kind of keep an eye on those spikes. If you all of a sudden see a spike in, in yeah, followers. It's a red flag right there. Red flag, yeah. go look at the content. Look, maybe this person did something amazing that's all of a sudden gone viral, yeah. um, but that's very rare. Mm. Have a look at why all of a sudden you go from 100 likes to 500, you know? 
overnight <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us once more so we'll see you last wednesday of next month fantastic thank you so um, much for having me as always Sandy. thank you ladies and gentlemen and dolly founder and chief strategist at influential yes and our lead sponsors fantastic. coffee conversations with Cindy. please follow us on linkedin at influential sa and the same on twitter and keep up to date with all the news thank you so much for joining us everybody else at home we have to love you and leave you until next time thank you so much mm-hmm.